Verse 35, The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, what? Where are you staying? He, and he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. We continue in our series on the Gospel of John, and the title for today's message is First Disciples, based on John chapter 1, verses 35 to 42. One day, when John the Baptist was with his pupils, his students, he once again spoke of the Lord Jesus as the Lamb of God. Two disciples heard him and then followed the Lamb of God. The author, who is John the Beloved, the author revealed that the Word was with God and the Word was God. He narrated that the Word became flesh, and we saw that in verse 14. John the Beloved wrote that a man was sent from God whose name was John. God used John as a witness. And take note of that word. His role was to be a witness of who the Messiah is. To reveal the one who was before everyone else. The one in whom the word was created. Let's read verses 35 to 37 again, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed him. This was not the first time that John, the writer, the beloved, or some say John the evangelist, would narrate that John said he was the Lamb of God, and for an Israelite, it speaks volumes in their history. And we know about the story of the plagues in Egypt, and the ninth plague would take away the firstborn of every household, except the household where they killed the lamb, 
and painted the blood on the doorposts and on top of their doors. And then the angel of death will skip. And that shows us that God is a God of judgment, yet He is a God of mercy as well. And many today take the Bible out of context and also take the character and nature of God out of context. They give you reasoning like, uh, if He is a loving God, why will He judge the world? And it's the same question I'll throw to you. If you have a judge on earth, a Philippine judge, who must render judgment, and he realized that person was his relative. What do you expect from that judge? What if he says, I'll let my relative, my cousin go because he's my cousin. I'll find a way illegally to set him free. Then that is unjust. Now if you say, if God is loving, how can he be just? Then you do not understand God, and you also don't understand our society. But if there was a legal way, the judge must find a legal way. Like for some, instead of going to prison, they do community service. There are ways. But the guilt of sin, the consequence is eternal death. But God found a legal way, which he was showing to us in Exodus. Through the tabernacle, through Leviticus, through the ceremonies of old, there was a foundation somewhere there of why this is. Why did John choose the Lamb of God? Obviously, he was trying to appeal or to make the Israelites understand that he is the Lamb of God who would be sacrificed. And the apostles would write about the blood of Jesus. It's not the literal blood of Jesus that dropped. It's his sacrifice. Meaning the blood was his sacrifice. Now some of us when we are foolish we would pray. Lord I applied the blood of Jesus in this place. I don't see the Lord instructing that. When you see the blood of Jesus, because of his blood, it means because of his sacrifice. That's what it means. Nothing more. Don't mysticize it. Let's go back. Now John the Baptist remained consistent with his purpose and message. Behold the Lamb of God. As a result, John's disciples, two of them, followed the Lord Jesus. Which proved that John's preaching was effective. At least for two people. Before when you say pupils or students or the word is disciple. It's not like today when we have mentors or professors. It's in a classroom. That really was revolutionized during the industrial revolution. Where we made schools into factories. But once upon a time, it was more of a mentoring, a personal relationship. Where, where the teacher would travel, the disciples followed. And along the way, he teaches them. It's very similar in Greek culture. Aristotle had that style. Uh, Socrates, Plato. Those days, either the teacher would visit you or you travel. It's never so much in one place. Some of them would stay in one place, but a lot of them like to move around. 
That's why I prefer discipleship sometimes. Can, it's not confined. You can go on a trip like some ladies are in Cebu. We pray for God's protection and joy upon them. Well, they planned this for a long time where the fares were low, but my wife, I told my wife, what's the purpose? Is it a vacation? No, I want to bond with my discipleship group. It was just his, her discipleship group. But then one lady heard about it, and another, and another said, oh, sama oh, kami. But that's the point. Now here, it's something like that, but not exactly like that. I do not want to demean Jesus, but we heard the Messiah. So John spoke of the witness, and the two of them says, well, they didn't say anything. They followed him. It just said, behold the Lamb of God. And imagine, you're one of the disciples, assuming you're one of them. He's been saying this for a while. I should check this out. And they started following. You know, following, walking behind. And that's creepy, you know? <laughs> Who are you? Uh, now, we would read later that John the Baptist didn't mind when his students started following Christ. John's calling was to reveal the Son of God, which he did. So it would have been satisfying when his pupils started following the Lord Jesus. That would have been satisfying. And in the same way, if we disciple others, the more they follow God's word, the better. The more they follow the writings and the teachings of Christ, and the teachings of Christ through the apostles as he explained to them and they explained to us. The better. And let us not make church or discipleship about us. Me having followers. Oh, and you following people. It's not about that. It's about who? It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move to verse 38. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? Modern translation would say, What do you want? Or why are you following me? You looking for something? If you're more sarcastic, if Jesus was sarcastic, he would say, Are you lost? Um, but he was not. Sometimes he was. And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. For it was about the 10th hour, meaning late in the afternoon. Now, when the Lord Jesus asked, what are you seeking? They answered by addressing him as rabbi. And this is the clue we get to the answer. Because what are you seeking? And the, I believe the answer isn't really where are you staying? Where, you go, where do you go home? That's what we're seeking, your home. No, it's really more of the answer was rabbi. Which means what are you seeking? We want to learn. We want to follow. The learner then was also a follower. Not only like today we listen to a professor so that we can pass the test. Then it was to follow and to be adherents. Adherents. And not only adherents, they also make followers of the teacher they respect. 
the same way they did in Greek culture, Plato wrote about Socrates, who never wrote a single word. When you see the writings of Socrates, probably Plato who wrote that. Because he was trying to build, not to lose the teachings of a certain man. But did you know that there are more manuscripts of the New Testament than the writings of Plato and Aristotle? If you're, you understand textual criticism, there is more documentary evidence that their witnesses were actually true. And many believe they existed. How do we believe Aristotle existed? Or Plato or Socrates? Documentary evidence. Somebody said so. And there was consistent writing about it. And there are also others who wrote about them. They said, Rabbi or teacher, Now, the disciples seem to want the Lord to be their new teacher. Once it was John the Baptist. And the two of them followed Jesus. And I even wondered, why only two? Okay. Why only two? The two maybe were so focused on this amazing personality of John the Baptist. Strange guy, good speaker though. Uh, strange guy, but very charismatic perhaps, because all of Judea and Jerusalem went to him to listen. Just, this is a powerful impact. And here comes Jesus, slowly and quietly starting his ministry. Now, but the story does not end there. But do not forget that these first disciples, John, the writer, the beloved, the evangelist, had a different way of conveying the story or the narrative, the account of what happened. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, especially in Mark, which is a very short gospel writing, I felt like Mark was in a hurry, as if somebody's chasing him when you read Mark. It's so short. Then it says there, Jesus said to them, follow me. Immediately they left their nets. Immediately they followed. Immediately. Oh, gee, Mark's in a hurry. Okay, immediately. Now here, John takes the time to narrate how the process happened of following. Now, he did not just say they followed him, but John showed them through their behavior, like, where are you staying? We want to follow you. They called him rabbi. So these are narratives. In effect, John was trying to show, not tell. And if you are a student, a writing student, a professor, we keep telling you, don't tell, show. Don't tell he's six foot three. Tell him he almost hit the doorpost or, or the light. It shows. But in showing, John, the writer, wasn't stopping there. From the witness of John the Baptist, two followed him. And let's read verses 40 to 42. One of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. 
who was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon, who was Peter as well, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And the Jewish people, the Israelites, have been looking forward for the Messiah, the Savior, from the Old Testament to the New, but they were not looking for a spiritual Messiah. They were looking for a political, military Messiah, a leader like David who will fight against the Romans and have their independence. But that was not the plan of God. It would first be a spiritual thing. We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Now, we would see later on, but also in the other Gospels, that they did not fully understand the spiritual dimension of the Messiah. They would see him heal the sick, turn water to wine. Don't you love that miracle? Turning water to wine. Some of you would love it. Messiah promised long ago... And every major prophet looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. And that's why some people say that, wow, John the Baptist is different because he saw. Others were saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And John the Baptist says, he's here. It's just an amazing thing. It's just like everybody's telling stories, but you witnessed the real event. Everybody's heard about it, but you witness, and John the Baptist witnessed that. And through John's witness, Andrew, one of them was Andrew, the brother of Peter, Simon Peter, believed. He brought Simon to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. Too many Johns in the scriptures, right? Too many John. You shall be called Cephas, well, it's another word for Peter, which is stone, stone. Well, the Bible is fond of giving new names, but just don't be misled. Some of their names were just another word for the same thing, uh, like Paul, Saul was not given a new name after the Damascus experience, Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Roman name. That was just it. It both existed. It wasn't like, I'm a new man. I should change my name. Stop calling me Ed. What's a good name? <laughs> now, some of us change our names on Facebook. Who in the world is this? And some of us change characters, Korean, Japanese, even Greek. At least Greek I can read. Some of us can read Hebrew here, but something it's just a strange. Now, somebody's trying to like me with these strange names. I don't want to respond. Who in the world are you? Stalker or what? Because you don't use your name. And sometimes you don't even use your face. You put your little baby's face instead of you. I'm not friending a baby. You, don't want, you want me to do all the work to check your photos? Oh, that's you. I don't have the time for that. Now, in those days, a change of name is very significant. But some of these names were 
not really a change. They just used something more often. Cephas means Peter. The message spread from the Baptist to his pupils, then from one of his pupils to his brother, Simon Peter, whom Jesus called Cephas, and notably Andrew called the Lord Jesus Messiah. Take note of the titles that John, the writer, keeps saying in the first chapter. He's the Word of God. He is the light. He is the Lamb of God. The Word became flesh. And then through the lips of Andrew saying, we found the Messiah. Now this is not really about John the Baptist, nor is it really about his disciples or the new disciples of Christ. It's not really about this. It's John revealing who Christ is through these people. And that's how we study the scriptures. What is the main intent of the author? Let's not make the mistake that this is about John the Baptist. He was a witness for whom? For Christ. Andrew followed whom? The Messiah. Which also means Christ. This is also not about Peter. It's about Andrew bringing Peter to the Messiah. It's about Peter believing in his brother. That his brother found the Messiah. Either he believed or did not believe at first. But was curious and followed him. It was about the Messiah, and the Word of God is about Christ, the center figure. Let's not get lost in these characters, although we must study these characters. But if you look at the way it's written, everything points to Christ. Everything. The ministry of John the Baptist was about Christ. Andrew following John the Baptist, when he understood it, it wasn't about John the Baptist, it's about Christ. And when it was about Christ, he talked to his brother, we found the Messiah. That's why they said John the writer is like an evangelist, or John the evangelist, because there's a lot of personal linkages here. John the Baptist, Andrew, Andrew, Simon, Peter, and it will spread all over until today where we are right now. Somehow it reached us. Our application, number one, follow the Lord Jesus. The disciples of John the Baptist followed Jesus. First they called him Rabbi, and then they followed him home. Let us believe that the Lord Jesus is the Messiah, and let us learn from him. Not to pass an exam but to understand the mysteries of God, but to understand the plan of God. Let us say, Lord, teach me. In our prayers, let us say, Rabbi, Master. And the Lord Jesus did say that he needs to go. He resurrected and went so he can send the teacher, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is with us, by His grace, we can say, Holy Spirit, lead us, teach us as we study your word, Rabbi. And that is important because many don't see Jesus as Rabbi. They see Him as the one who will answer their prayers when they're in trouble. And that's it, period. The only time that you see them 
close to God when they have crisis. And I hope not to us. Whether we have crisis or not, we remain close to God. We remain close to the Word through the intimate study of God's Word. We remain to say, teacher, rabbi, I want to learn. It's not just I come to Jesus because He fills me with peace. And He does do that, praise the Lord. It's not just about my needs, my wants. It's about, Rabbi, I want to learn. Rabbi. Do we must come to the point where we could, at least in our hearts, be desperate to learn? A hunger to learn. May, hopefully, we graduate from the shallow perspective that you only come to church because it's tradition every Sunday. Well, I have nowhere to go to. Might as well go to church. Oh, I have some free time. Might as well go to church. We come here because, Rabbi, Rabbi, I really want to learn. Point number two, first was follow the Lord Jesus. Point number two, speak about the Lord Jesus. John the Baptist revealed the Messiah. He spoke about the Lamb of God. And one of John's disciples, Andrew, followed the Lord Jesus and told his brother. He spoke about the Messiah. We should tell people about the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. That was how he was revealed on earth. John was saying, we have to, the center is Christ. And we have to keep it at that. What are you doing right now? I do many things. I work here. I study here. But another thing is, I really give time to study the Holy Scriptures. Please turn that off. To study the Holy Scriptures. Speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak about the events that transformed your life. But do not make humans the heroes of the story. Not you, not me, not the others. But who is the hero of the story? It is always Christ the Messiah. Yes, like John, the writer, we can tell about the people that helped us, but in the end, it's still about Jesus, the Messiah. We have to speak about him. And third, see others follow the Lord Jesus. John the Baptist told his pupils about the Lamb of God. Then two of them followed the Lord Jesus. One of them, Andrew, told his brother, Simon Peter. Then Peter followed Christ. Now we, we should influence others by his grace. To follow our message. What's the message? The gospel. The suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And what? The call to repent and believe. And the word believe and repent are interchangeable. They're two sides to the same coin. If you believe, you will turn away from your sin. If you repent, you are actually not just turning away from your sin. You are changing your mind. Repentance is metanoia, a change of perspective, a change of mind. But let us purify our intent, why we do it. It should not be for the people to follow us, so I'll have followers or you'll have followers. But to follow the Messiah. 
Let us proclaim and let us witness others come to the Lord. And that is a satisfying thing when you speak about the Messiah and others begin to follow him. And you should say, thank you, Lord, for giving me the grace to do it, for giving me the privilege of speaking about you and seeing them follow. That is the joy, one Christian joy we should have. Whether they are little children growing up, you protect their minds as they grow up with the Word of God and not be influenced with the immorality of the world. And the same way with others as they slowly begin to follow Christ and one by one they let go of their sins as they realize it's a sin and by the grace of God they are strengthened to follow because they're given a new heart. The joy has changed. The heart has changed. That is something, brothers and sisters, that we must rejoice. And let us not forget, as we see others follow Christ, let us not stop following Christ. And by following Him, it's not only just obeying, but it's keep learning from the rabbi. Keep learning from the teachers. It's sad to see many Believers or so-called believers who claim they are believers but are so lazy when it comes to the Holy Scriptures. They think it's not important. They think if they know John 3.16, 2 Corinthians 5.17, a few verses, John 3.3, 3, just a few verses, they're okay. And their Christian life is all about that. If you hear them speak, it's all about that. They know nothing more. That's why when we have growth groups, we want you to look into the text. I give you questions there to look into the text. Don't add anything to the text as much as possible. Answer it according to the text. In fact, you should have similar answers because it's just one text. Don't invent answers. And some of us add everything from the whole Bible. No, we study first the text. You can add that later. Don't let your mind branch too much. Respect the author. It's just somebody speaking. Wait, let's let them speak. Let them finish. Let the author finish. Don't add Paul yet. Don't add Mark. Not yet. Chill. Oh, you want to show off to connect all these verses that you studied? Nothing wrong with. Just make sure the connections are proper. Not all can be connected. It should be by context. You look at the word. What is it saying? Clearly, it's not about John. It's not about Andrew or Peter, but they are support, the supporting cast. It is about the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So we believe in their witness. They believed in John the Baptist's witness. They followed Christ. But they will witness something else, these disciples, and that will be the resurrection. And there will come a time they will be no longer just speaking about John the Baptist's witness. They will be speaking about their witness. He's alive. We saw him die and we see him. We saw him alive again. We should all have our own witness. And what is the witness? We believe in their witness. But as I believed, something also happened in my life, in your life. 
sometimes so subtle, and sometimes like a big bang, boom, something changes. And that's kind of our accounts, our story. Some of us, there's a sudden, when you believe, a sudden transformation. Some of us take forever. But we are transforming by God's grace. Amen. Different stories, but we believe in a witness, and we ourselves share our witness. So I give you this piece of poetry, Believe in the Witness. Look there, behold the Lamb of God. Two of them gave a solid nod. And it was not out of a whim the Baptist pupils followed him. One of the two was Andrew. He believed John's witness was true. We found the Messiah, he said. The message continued to spread. Andrew brought Simon to the Lord. His message could not be ignored. Then the Lord called Simon Cephas. From here, many would come to pass. They did believe in the witness, then they would see more and not less. They'll see the Lord resurrected, the Messiah would defeat death. And this is the gospel we preach. It's something we will always teach. He suffered, died, and rose again. The world was not the same since then. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. And we pray you give us understanding more that it is about you and not us. That we stick to the text and the text is saying it's all about him. We bring others to Christ because it's about him. They proclaim their witness. We found the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God. We also say, behold, the one who justified us, the one who saved us from our sins. Behold, the one who forgave us the many sins we have, the terrible sins we have. Look, the one who sacrificed himself for us, he died for us. He suffered, died, and rose again. We repeat the witness. We believe in the witness. And the Holy Spirit confirms it within our hearts. Thank you, Lord. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God bless you all.